Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I got stuff for you. Holy moly. I need to get some snakes and release them around my house. Uh, but they love eating people. They love eating kids. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural. Lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. corn, corn. Every day that you open your mouth, I know, right? I'm more convinced that you're abducted by aliens. <laughs> no. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the, the... These are idiots. I was laughing reading this because I already knew how you would feel. Idiot. What part <laughs> of the story fits your balloon? Well, this isn't a yeah. UFO. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Well, Mothman. Oh, yeah, Mothman. Well, everyone, I think we know exactly what it is. So say it all with me. It was the Sandhill Crane. Would you try it? No. You wouldn't eat it? No. Why? Because they're probably toxic. There'd be a lot of poop in my pants. <laughs> Seen a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. Welcome back to Clifton's of the Quad Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the great, powerful mystery. I'm J Clone Twenty One. Like Michael, shh, you're not supposed to talk yet. Oh. Not supposed to, baby girl, calm down. <laughs> and as you have already noticed, Jay is not here, and there's two <gasps> different voices. <laughs> uh, first off, uh, would you would you go by? I'm J Clone Twenty One. Twenty One. Miss Emily is joining us tonight. Mrs. Mrs. Emily is joining us tonight uh and okay let me get this right that's what jay's the only thing he does on the show is announce people it's the only thing he's done in three years and i'm so bad at it okay award-winning critically acclaimed amazing author uh 
a sea monster extraordinaire, good-looking hair, uh, incredibly fast swimmer, we found out, <laughs> allergic to apples or apple-flavored things. Yes. <laughs> Michael! Woo! Yay! I'm so thrilled to be back. Thank you. What an intro. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, I was trying to... I'm like, what other stuff could I throw in? It started out really impressive, and then it just got like... Yeah, he's allergic to apples, too. Don't forget that. You know? All right. Well, that's... Everybody Everybody on this show knows that story. A classic story. So a that's one. one. It's just, you know, you're famous for that. Probably, besides Joel, our most repeated guest... Really? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, you've been on. Well, you've been on a lot of Patreon stuff too. That the, the main crowd doesn't get to hear. A couple of live streams. Too, a couple yeah, live yeah. streams, like yeah. So you've you've definitely got up there. The only other person I could think of, well, Joel, but Joel's on the show all the. You know, he lives by us. He's on the show all the time, and then been around, gotten to come on the bus. Yeah. Oh yeah, the bus yeah. ride, the critically acclaimed bus ride. <laughs> Classic. I need to I need to post some of the the clips from that. I recorded a bit of that adventure. Oh, and I funny. had the music blaring, and I had the. Uh, the lights on in the bus, uh, and then you, you, you told me to voice pee. Like, <laughs> and you If you t- look to the right, you'll see traffic. You know? <laughs> I was doing. Oh my gosh! I'll, one more story before we get into it, because we get the mm-hmm. only bad comments we ever get is we blabble. But it's an hour long podcast. I don't know what you expect us not to talk. So <laughs> we'll just sit here in silence. No, is when you told that 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 cute waitress that Jay was famous. We told him we were famous, but Emily was sitting next to me. And then she starts looking at him, and she's like, and you're like, yeah, they got a tour bus outside. She peeks out, and there's a bus. And <laughs> she starts a little flirting on Jay. And, oh, my gosh, Jay's – it's fun to pick on him when he's not here. It's fun to pick on him when he's here. <laughs> but, no, Michael, so you're not just here to catch up because we do that on the phone sometimes anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're promoting your new book, and I just finally finished after probably about a year – you just had to force it into my hand, and I finally did <laughs> your, your original book for the Winslow series. Yeah. I got to say, it's really good. Thank you. I listened to it in one straight go. So oh, that's good. Yeah, and it's I didn't want to stop. It's very, that's a big compliment. Thank you. And I get bored pretty easily when it comes to, not books in particular, but just, you know, in trying general. to keep focused on something like that. It's just oh, sure. any, like, podcasting or anything like that. It's just, but... The way you broke up the book was amazing to me because to me, I don't know, at least for my brain, it made it much more easily digestible mm-hmm. that they're in these individually story folders, but it's still all tied together. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. Yeah. It has a unique uh, sort of format. They're kind of, uh, it's split into parts instead of uh, chapters. I call them parts. Each one's its own cryptid story, but there's also an overarching story as well. They all connects at the end. And yeah, and it's the, that through line of the through the eyes of the reporter. I really mm-hmm. much enjoyed too. That yeah. it's not even though part of the book is told through Winslow's eyes. Uh, poor poor Bosco, you could have just oh, left yeah. that part out. Poor Bosco. Yep, you could have just picked somebody else, couldn't you have? <laughs> well, you know, Turtle in Indiana. Uh, I was going to ask you who your favorite uh, who your favorite cryptid, who, what your favorite story was in the book. There was a lot of good ones. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, before I before I start into this, please tell everybody sure. where to find your stuff, how to buy your books, yeah. how to support you. Well, my name is Michael Thompson. I'm an independent author and illustrator from Northern Virginia, and you can find all my stuff at michaelthompsonbooks.com. You can find me on Instagram at mthompson underscore books. 
Um, we've got two books now in the Winslow Hoffner series, Winslow Hoffner's Incredible Encounters and Winslow Hoffner's High Sailing Adventures. And recently, the audiobook edition of the first book has gone live on a few different new audiobook platforms, including Kobo and Spotify. Spotify's re recently gotten into the audiobook game. So I listened on Kobo free. for mm -hmm. everybody at home, and I'll have all these links for Michael below. Uh, I like that app. Yeah, it's a good, yeah. For never having it's the second um second biggest distributor of ebooks, at least, I think, behind Amazon. And so uh and so yeah, so that was I mean they're 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 up there. Not a lot of people know about it. But anything um, not to give Amazon more money, I'm happy with. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a good app. But yeah, and then you're not just the Winslow Hoffner books. You have other books, uh, the Orb series and Chicken Boy. Yep. yep. And the art, the art you do is amazing for that too. Thank you. Uh, everybody needs to buy everything. And <laughs> you go to conferences. Where's the next couple of people can come see you at? Well, the next one that I'm going to be at in person is the Frogman Festival, and I'm going to see you there. I was like, never March heard 7th. of it. Never heard of it. I think by the time by the time this posts, it will already have happened. So we'll oh, have all kinds it. of fun adventures. Um, the next one after this post will be uh, Encounter Quest, Encounter Quest Two at. Um, in Hamlet, North, North Carolina. Carolina. That's April 13th. And I'm doing all kinds of other ones. And I'm going to be speaking at some. I'm going to be speaking at uh, one in September up in Raynham, Massachusetts. Raynham? Raynham, uh, I think it's pronounced. R-A-Y-N-H-A-M. Okay. In the heart of the Bridgewater Triangle. Is it? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to move stuff around so this comes out the weekend or the Wednesday before Frogman. Okay. Uh, Time I, traveling. Yeah, see us at Frogman. It's gonna be fun. Yes, yeah, it's podcasting. Special treatment. Special treatment. Hey, ooh. <laughs> for our, our goodest of pals. Aww. Uh, but yeah, no. Encounter Quest is gonna be a lot of fun. Frogman's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, Frogman's Emily. Like I always joke, it's Emily's hometown's festival. Literally, I mean, cool. her dad lives like 20, 30 minutes away. No, he doesn't, Emily. Yes, he does. He lives maybe eight minutes from Loveland. Well, Loveland, yeah, but it, it's been happening in Mason, is it? Never mind. No, it's well, in this Loveland. Year, this year it's in Loveland. Last time it was. Yeah, she's else. right. It I was in Mason last year. time, which Mason Correct. is like pretty. Fo it's weird because Cincinnati is like this little hodgepodge of all these little towns that are right next to each other. So you can drive right. her two hours of being in town, essentially, trying to get from one town to the other. So, uh, but no, it's in Loveland this year at the Oasis. I think, uh, Conference Center. The links are all below for all of our festivals. Go to the website, cryptsacord.com. Uh, I'll also say that um, Cryptid HQ is one of the few places where you can get autographed copies of the book. So if you want a paperback that's autographed, uh, Mike from Cryptid HQ. He's we love got Mike. He's some, someone type. And I've got a story for you, by the way, before I forget. Yes. I was at one of my book signings um, in December, the end of last year. And uh, I was selling my book and, and Winslow was kind of the feature there. And I was telling a father and a son about it. I said, oh, yeah, it's a cryptid sea story. And then their eyes got big and they're like, oh, we love cryptids and stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then we got to talking and the kid, he was like 10 or nine and uh, he just loved cryptids. He was like a prodigy. He was naming the most obscure cryptids possible. He had the book. He was pointing out each each of the creatures on the cover and knowing them. And I thought, and I and I thought that was amazing. And I told his father, Jeff, hi, if you're listening, I said to Jeff, uh, you should listen to the Cryptids of the Corn podcast. You would really like it. 
And then he said, Crypt is the corn. I love that show. I've been trying to get my son to listen to it. And so, uh, so that was that was in my neck of the woods. And so I, I found one of your listeners in the wild. How awesome is that? Signing. Yeah, cool. and he loved the show. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, hey, you know, I'm on that show sometimes. So you may, you may run you, into yeah. me when you're. Well, mm -hmm. Jeff, if you're listening, thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate you. And like we said, we try to keep almost all of our shows kid friendly for that specific reason. Mm -hmm. uh, that's awesome. I thought you for a second you're going to tell me you ran into my nephew. Uh, no. Because <laughs> he's over by you guys. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, uh, what is he, 10? Yeah. 10? And he's he's a cryptid whiz. And he's got, I bought him all of your books so far. He's got The Chicken Boy, uh -huh. and he's got the Winslow signed copy. So I thought I didn't you, know you did that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I was just like, I'm like, maybe they ran into William some, you know, at a fest, or just at a book fair, or sign, you know, anything. I could see my sister taking him. To places like that cool. and him going cool. up to you because he's just like yeah i know what that is ask yeah. ambo yeah this i was i was blown away like he knew the globsters and stuff i was like whoa <laughs> i was like nobody knows these so incredible. that's awesome well jeff thank yeah. you uh why don't you reach out jeff you send me a picture of you in michael's book maybe i'll send you something Ooh. uh i love i that's i don't make no money <laughs> i make no money off this show i i give away too much stuff <laughs> it's just that kind of ride uh, but yeah, the Frogman Encounter Quest is going to be a really cool one, and you're speaking at events. That's going to be really cool. Yeah. Is this your first year speaking at events? Uh, first year speaking at the Cryptid shows, at least. Yeah. I'm going to be doing what what partly inspired me. What well, one you were kind of like the main uh, uh, inspiration. You said, Mike, Michael, you got to do this stuff. You know the stuff. You should do speaking. And I thought, okay. And then I got in, uh, invited by the Library of Congress uh, for a paranormal wow. forum to go into. Um, to talk about my Winslow Hoffner series and the sort of the process of, uh, of of what inspired me, I thought, okay, I could do I could do a show about how I adapted the cryptids uh, for a cohesive narrative in a in a fiction story. And then as I'm preparing that, I think this is this is a perfect show for the in person show. So I could do a live version of this and uh, in person version of this. And so that's kind of how it how it started. So I'm gonna start. Hopefully you'll be seeing me pop up more as, as a speaker. I, I definitely think you'll do amazing at it. Uh, Thank you. I do think it takes a certain type of person to speak publicly, uh, especially to keep entertainment, because uh, uh, this is kind of we're walking that line of education and entertainment when you right. speak at those kind of events, you know, because cryptids yeah. are fun, but, you know, people want to take seriously too. Uh, and I think you'll do a great job. You definitely have the gusto for it. Thanks, uh, buddy. What I used to speak to. at was fishery conferences, Right, and yeah. that was just information. Mm -hmm. You maybe were allowed to make two jokes before they would start looking at you like, all right, get off. But it was a bunch of like 60, 70 year old white men. And like yeah. three Pri of them. Prior would to be this, fun. I've been doing the like superhero stuff for the Chicken Boy stuff. So I've been talking about Chicken Boy forever. I need to, you know, I need to adjust. I need to adjust my mindset for the, the monsters, for the monster shows. Yeah, the monsters is going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So let's get into your first book, if you don't mind let's me, I guess. Spoilers, everybody, but I want to talk about the first book. I have not had the pleasure of the second book yet. I will be getting to it very soon. Very, very soon. Very soon. Very soon. <laughs> uh, P.S. I am drinking. Sure, there's, sure. There's literally a beer right next to this microphone. How weird is that? I don't know where it comes yeah. from. <laughs> Just like a genie <laughs> looking around. Genie in a bottle. It's a weird ghost. Well, you are drinking <laughs> for four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drinking for a small Indian family. Was that not funny? <laughs> Don't fall out of that chair. You're very pregnant. 
I'll do what I want. Uh, You'll just have to pick me up. No, I just love how... Okay, so Gambo. Uh, sure, the first one. Yeah, and I'm just kind of going through that in my head that way. All right, sure. Uh, I yeah, love, we can talk about it. I love how they wrestle. I don't want to give away everything with the story, but how they walk mm-hmm. away with a, a mutual respect. And so Gambo just kind of hangs around Winslow. Yeah, yeah. And he's just so is he just kind of in the area in the bay? It seems like you know they're attracted to there for because of him. Yeah, yeah. There's an interesting effect of um, Winslow kind of has a way with the creatures. Like he's like he's like a Steve Irwin for cryptids mm-hmm. kind of. Um, and uh, Gambo is is our first introduction to the story. So we kind of have uh, we're looking at it like you said through the lens of John Chaplin, our main character, um, who may or may not believe right at the beginning. Um, but yeah, he does. Uh, Winslow gets a Winslow and Gambo have a mutual respect, and there's an interesting sort of connection between uh, the monster and the man uh, in terms of like you know they both have gappy teeth. They got you know uh, particular things going on with their eyes and stuff. So it was an interesting way to start out. That was the first uh, line that ever came to me from the book, uh, which was turned out to be the first line of the first book. Which was have you ever stared straight into the eyes of death and scoffed? You know. Okay, which one of Winslow's eyes are real? Like, which one is not damaged? They're both real, but his right eye is is bulging uh, always. Okay, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, in my head, and it's probably my just creation. Just like I Jay's had it, dad. Yes, like Jay's dad. <laughs> uh, love Fred. If you ever listen to this show, I'm I'm so I'm so sorry. Uh, we love you dearly, and we respect everything you you've done for us. Uh, but you do look a little <laughs> scary. Uh, he's been he's been burned by molten plastic, mm-hmm. uh, and then he got his face like his eye cut open and lost like by a giant pane of glass. They told me the story. Yeah, yeah. it's terrible. So, I just remember growing up and seeing he's been Fred so much. It's incredible. And being scared of him growing up, and it's he's completely the nicest man anybody will. Ever, he does everything for everybody, but just as a little kid, he looked like sure. uh, he came out of the lake to get you. Mm. Uh. I make those jokes to him just so everybody knows. We play cards <laughs> with him every every Tuesday. We're very, very close to Fred. Um, but no, so it just, it, to me, it just, I don't know. It just made me think of Fred. There you go. Made me think of Fred. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Winslow's been through a lot, you know, as well. I mean, when, as he's telling his stories, you see he's he's pulling up his hat. He's showing his scars. Yeah. And so that's kind of like he wears the stories on him in, in one way or another. Another thing I'd like to say I loved is the bar recap. Mm-hmm. Kind of all these little like these little stories or these little encounters, and there's just always that one glint that makes you look and be like, "Oh, that happened." Yeah, paste the yeah, whole barn like an artifact of truth every time. So uh, we have usually there's some um, force of skepticism, and uh, for a majority of the book, it's Ken Keeley, the the cook and the owner of Keeley's Bayside Eatery, which is a place where we spend a lot of our time in the book, and. Um, and so Winslow, as you say, he's got these little little trinkets from his adventures where it like makes you question, ooh, you know, or the characters at least. Did this did this truly happen? Just um, yeah. and he just happens to have it on him, <laughs> you know, every time. Like he said, like well, like the cook accuses him of, you know, set you know, do you do you come pre planned? This is what we're talking about today, kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he mm-hmm. does, yes, I get that. I get that. I literally stick things in my pocket to talk about. Like, oh, mm-hmm, yeah. I have this little toy dusky shark. I wonder how that got there. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, 
No, I, I thought that was, I love that. And then the mermaid story. And are you laughing at me? No. I can't see it because you're the mermaid is one of my favorite stories. Um, I remember, I love uh, the first line from that story that came to me was uh, the, the exchange between him and the cook. And uh, Keely's like, Do you honestly expect us to believe some pretty mermaid had the hots for you? And Winslow's like, I never said she was pretty. pretty that They're little girl. This girl Keel. <laughs> that little girl's like, oh. her hair was like seaweed. <laughs> yeah, definitely more almost classic uh, Irish mermaid or mm -hmm. a, a sulky or silky. Right, right. So it has this. Um, yeah, it was a it was a unique mermaid for sure. And I and I like playing with. There's a lot of inversions in the book. A lot of inversion of, of what you would expect. Winslow himself is kind of uh, an inversion because the classic fisherman's tale is a tall tale and one that's. I mean, it's associated with lying. And Winslow's a terrible liar. Uh, you see him try to lie later on in the book, and um, like when he's talking to Scialpi. They're, they're not journalists. Yeah, <laughs> she's literally is, uh, she's taking notes niece. and has a camera around her neck. Uh, <laughs> is that a she's press not. pass in her pocket? Mm -hmm. You know that was funny. I did get a chuckle out of, and he's just standing there on the other boat, just like, "Come on, okay." Like, yeah, we're all <laughs> he done has here. Him I in guess. the newspaper too, and he's like, "There you are." And Winslow's like, "That ain't me." <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who that sounds like. Huh. I didn't do that. <laughs> There's only two of us in this house that can drive. So one of us ran the car all the way out and parked it. Wonder who How'd you like the be. voices? I enjoyed it thoroughly. You have a good job of, because uh, like you said at the beginning for everybody at home, uh, that you did the the uh, audio book. You know, the, the, yeah, I narrated it myself. Yeah. And I thought you did a really good job of not only having distinct voices for several different accents that you maintained that accent the whole time for that character. There was never a big, like, there's no fluctuation. It sounds like the same person through the whole thing, which is uh, something I cannot do. And I, you know, I can't do accents and Jay can do accents better than I can. But that's something that you, you, you people who have gone to conferences have heard it where me and Jay will talk in accents and it just turns into something else after two minutes. Like it just melts into something. And you did an amazing job of holding that character through the entire book. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I've got like, <laughs> I've got all kinds of like little test videos in my phone of like figuring out the voice of different characters like Millie and stuff and like blending different uh, sort of dialects. And, and um, it's not it's not only the accent. You're right. It's kind of um, it's the personality and the Cadence, way you do it. The and also the way you hold your face. Yeah. You know, when I was recording the the audiobook, my producer, I learned a lot from him and he uh, told me he said, uh, the audience can hear a smile. They can hear the way you hold your face. So it behooves you to act out in the booth while you're while you're doing this. It's it's easy to you know you're you're literally an, alone, but uh, you know it's ju just like podcasting. We're performing to an audience just in the future. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I I think you nailed it. I really do. And thank you. I've definitely heard some other audiobooks I've listened to, and I will not name anybody. They should either have had somebody else read some parts or. And I, I know I couldn't do it. I mean, you've, these people have heard me try to do an accent, and it's 99% of the time, if I'm trying for something else, it ends up Australian. If I'm trying for Australian, it ends up Japanese. Mm. No idea why. It's just probably because wow. I've been kicked in the head too many times by horses. Just all the wires well, you gotta If you're trying, to do, you're trying to do one, you should aim for the other. You doesn't know? work. Then, then, then I have a stroke. Then you'll calibrate. <laughs> See, then I have a stroke, and I take a screenshot. <laughs> There, there's my one J liner. 
Because <laughs> he's always got... Uh, Anything is possible. Who knows? Wait, 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 wait. Who knows? Anything could be possible. There, he's with us. Oh, Michael didn't hear that. It was the soundboard. It was Jay talking. Yeah, I, I heard it. It, oh, just, okay. it froze up for a second. That's fine. I was about to say, there's Jay. He's coming in right yeah, now. Yeah, he's coming in. Uh, just for that one line. Just for that one line he peeked in. Oh, gosh, Jay. We miss you. Rest in peace. All right, so we covered. <laughs> so I, with my question with rest in peace. My question with Gambo is, yeah. is he Winslow's pet? Yeah, um, it, he, Gambo because he's out the back of, of his like property, Winslow's right? Dog. It's kind of a, a you know a man and his dog. In a okay. Way. Yeah. I won't ruin the ending of the book, which is amazing. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool. I know exactly what you're talking about, just by the way you're holding your face. Yeah. yeah so. That is what made me come to that conclusion is that, you know, it's like he's like a, a really big fire breathing pet. <laughs> That's exactly right. The fire breath was a fun uh, component of Gambo. Gambo is one of those uh, cryptids or globsters that there's so little known about them that there was extra room for creative license. And so the fire breath was um, was was kind of something that I wanted to do. I, I like starting out just as a writer i like starting out my fantasy stories especially with the most unbelievable concept possible and then if i can make that believable for my audience and for me then i think in a storytelling way you have um sort of the the credibility is then established and then moving forward and that's important for winslow for for the readers the audience to believe winslow for john the character to believe winslow that was an amazing point for me in the book uh and i get what you're saying because that is like because when he's first telling the story, like you said, with tall tales earlier. Right. You know, it's a fisherman. Yeah. Of course he caught a sturgeon with a giraffe neck. And, you know, yeah. and then yeah. but he walks out and feeds Gambo a half of a chicken. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it's, it's all real. Yeah. Like that, you know, I think that was a really amazing part of the Hopefully I'm not spoiling too much for anybody. Mm-hmm. Still read the book. I'm leaving. I'm purposely not talking about some things because it's such an amazing book. Uh, especially if you're a sea monster lover, because you paint these old school sea monsters to something really cool, and we don't Thank have you. to, we don't have to talk about it. But I'm just gonna, I want to hint at something, and I want to know if I'm correct or not. Sure. So the Lake Erie story, yes, is not really about a fishing tournament. It's about um, the contest between him and Scalpy before he left. I, I see what you're saying. Um, in a way, a lot of the stories themselves carry symbolic value uh, across each of the characters. Um, so while, like, literally, it, the backdrop is a fishing uh, tournament, um, it is uh, between Winslow and Skialpi. Uh, it's the state of their friendship. So, like, the big, the big ending, the the ultimate, you know, and and. You know, we can talk about sort of the, the broad strokes of it. Like, you know, we have the Kraken in the big finale, Octopus Giganteus. And that big maelstrom, for instance, that's created between the two bolt boats and, and uh, the different sort of things that are going on there. That is the, the monsters themselves are kind of uh, metaphorically the manifestation of the character situation. And in this case, it's the broken friendship, uh, the broken relationship between uh, Winslow and Scalpi and because of the different choices that they make. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I, I think that was amazing because I really did enjoy that. And I think there's – that is such a good symbol of like – the Bigfoot community is the best one I can point to right now because there's the whole kill, no kill side of mm. – of Bigfoot and everybody right, has right. their own reasons and all this stuff. And I just, I love that aspect of it. And like I said, we're not really going to talk about the end. Cause that's the point of buying the book <laughs> getting there. It's definitely worth it. It was definitely a perfect climax to a book. Uh, let's see what else did I want to talk about. I loved the mystery house museum thing. Oh yes. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, lots of times people don't don't talk about this, so this is going to be cool. Oh, this this that, that stuck out to me because it. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched Gravity Falls, for example. Yes, I. So love it reminded me of the original Falls. Mystery Shack because you know it was originally everything was real and nobody cared to see the real stuff. So I started, well, the stands, Stanford started putting all the the fake right, right. stuff up because nobody cared about all the science stuff that was hanging up anymore. And that's kind of what it reminded me of, you know, that it puts on this mask because everybody in the ever the newspaper wants it all to be fake. So once you kind of lean into it, they stop fighting with you and they start help like promoting you and they help, you know. So yeah, I got a closet full of real monster parts. Nobody believes this, so I glue, I I glue antlers to a piranha and I sell T-shirts and. Yep. You know, that's how you can actually buy that real T-shirt from my website. If you're no, you interested. can't. I never knew I that. I saw the piranha lope. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the. So there's a little T-shirt and that's hey, mentioned in the book. The I saw you, the piranha lope T-shirt. Get on his website. You can get that on uh, in whatever color you like from MichaelThompsonBooks.com, uh, and you click on the merch tab, and so you can you Is can it, pick up that. What was the one that he was wearing at the end? What color? The I saw the piranha lope. Yeah. I know, but what color? Uh, it was just white, I think. Uh, I don't remember if it was specified, so you can get whatever color you like. Get me a yellow one. <laughs> Stop making eye contact with me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Millie Matterhorn, um, she's a great character. This was an interesting, and and you're right, this is an interesting facet within the cryptid world, you know, the 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 hoaxes, right? So Millie is a taxidermist, and she creates these little monsters and stuff. Um, for exactly the reason you say, because people are more interested in the charming beasts, you know, the little the little fake monsters that she makes rather than the real uh, cryptozoological artifacts um, that she has uh, in the back room. I just and I love how her husband comes out with the hand and it, she's like, and he took my husband's leg. <laughs> Tired of hopping, woman. <laughs> that was yeah, that's great. Oh, my God. I love that part. I, uh, so he's like, this frightful creature ate my husband's leg. And John's like, I'm, wait, what? And he's like, took hold of him with her suckers <laughs> and just gnawed away. It was his favorite leg, Mr. Chaplin. I'm so sorry. You think the squid shark ain't real? Tell that to my poor one-legged husband. And then out he comes and he's got his hand like in his, in his it. sleeve. And he's like, damn, that godforsaken squid shark stole my hand. Oh damn my it, gosh. I said leg, not hand. We were great on hand this time, woman. I'm sick of hopping. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was a really fun exchange in the book. And then that, but the, the whole place, and I think it happens to a lot of these museums 
mm-hmm. there's only a handful that I've been to all a bunch of them all over the country. The the Pacific Northwest is about the only place I haven't been mm-hmm. uh, to these kind of things. And there's tons of them out there. There's tons of them everywhere in the country, whether they're mystery or monster or paranormal themed. You know. Right. But uh, did you get me one? I don't know. You gotta look at it. Oh, sorry. Yes, that's it. Yes, I would like that shirt, please. <laughs> Emily's actively buying merch off your website as we're recording this episode. And as I everybody at home knows, we do not edit. So this that'll be there's your promotion. This the great and powerful mystery is about to own I saw the jack or the I saw the piranha lope. Mm-hmm. One day I would love a real piranha lope on a plaque like in my office. I think that'd be so cool. So side note, you know, I used to make fur bearing trout. You did? Mm-hmm. Oh my! This is the first year of us doing the podcast. There's still a couple of them in museums. Uh, I would. I would uh, Somerset, I would Kentucky has my it. my biggest one. How cool! Uh, it's like a three foot long. Uh, I've got a, I've got a little uh, little figurine up there, but I don't have a full size proper fur bearing trout. Maybe, actually, actually, Sunday after Frogman, I can get you a pronolope. Really? Well, we'll talk off air. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm 99% sure I can get you a piranha lope. You're blowing my mind right now, Justin. So, anyways. Yeah, so I think that happened to a lot of these little museums, though, is they mm-hmm. start out being real. But as we learn from the paranormal and cryptological, the real, especially when we're just talking straight cryptological, the real is just biology. Mm-hmm. And it's boring. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, to the average day person, you know, there's a little bit of excitement when you see a giant shark tooth. But... It's whatever, right? You've seen shark teeth, and you see it one time, and that's you know the allure. And she's having like a, a, a tassel worm and all that stuff, you know, whole skeletal. And nobody's gonna believe that anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it just like, I I guess it's that mindset that the community did to where when she was trying to promote it as being real, the, the fact that that room was real. It's no, it's not. You know, this is all ridiculous, stupid stuff. The second she makes it hoaxy and she makes it, you know, the sideshow attraction, everybody loves it. You know, like you said, Winslow, even at the end, has a I saw the Pronolope t shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's just that was an interesting, they're interesting characters. The little dial, which I don't know, we probably won't talk about, I don't imagine, uh, was a very interesting part to me, too. Mm hmm. Oh, sorry. I just got a link that my T-shirt is being mailed. <laughs> Yay. Uh, cool. So literally everybody, I did buy a T-shirt during this. And I, I have, I think I have all of Michael's books except the Orb series. All right. I think I bought actually three of the first book because I gave two away. Yes. Anyways. We will remedy that. We will get you. We will get you. Oh, well, don't worry. We'll, we'll trade something. Signed and everything. We, we, <laughs> I have to have them signed. I mean, all I know Absolutely. you. Here's a here's a fun piece of uh, symbolism too. Since we're doing some uh, book club stuff, this is a very subtle thing that happens um, in connection with uh, Millie Matterhorn's Museum of Maritime Marvels. So, uh, in the the following chapter, in uh, it weren't no sandbar, uh, when Winslow's describing the location of the of the roadside museum, he says it's right at the corner of uh, Barnum and Shaw, or right at the intersection of Barnum and Shaw. And so the symbolism there is we have Barnum, Barnum and Bailey. Okay. And then we have Shaw, who is actually the um, scientist that discovered the platypus. 
And so on the, on this hand, on you know, we have like the Fiji mermaid, right? There's mm-hmm. a sucker, sucker born every minute. And so this was something that was fake that everyone thought was real. And then with the platypus, this was something that was real that everyone thought was fake. And Millie exists at the intersection. That's so awesome. That's yeah. That's really. And then then she brought up the platypus. Mm-hmm. I do think it's either my favorite or second favorite part of that 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 section of book. Because my favorite part is the husband. <laughs> Peter, but the yeah. platypus. Uh, yeah, with the top hat and the cane. <laughs> yeah. What does she always say? Uh, misdirection. What is her always yeah. her line? Yeah. Redirection. Redirection. <laughs> Redirection. Because uh, she's, you know, an old show hand kind of deal. Exactly. Well, she used to be in the theater. Yeah. And when we get to that taxidermy of the platypus with the, you know, the still still maintaining the showmanship, but sort of ushering you in, this is the real section. This is, this is you know, this is just a, pl- a platypus, right? Albeit, you know, fantastic with the top hat and stuff. So that's the symbolism there as we're going into the real section of the museum. <laughs> I, I love it. And so we had the tassel worm in there. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty much all donated by Winslow. Mm-hmm. So did he, he kill a tassel worm? He did not, no. Okay, he just found one. No, Winslow has not killed any cryptid. Oh, good. Um, I, guess, I mean, I get self-defense on some of these guys. But, you know, <laughs> I'm like a tassel worm. Especially, I can tell you, uh, I can tell you off air how he got it, if you're interested. You would I am. I, I, do, don't, I want to know off air. I'll tell you off air because there will be some there 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 may be a story about the tassel worm. I'm gonna future. make an on air guess. Do not tell me if it's right or wrong. Okay. As me as an as a, a fan, I'm making a guess. Another cryptid threw it up. A very interesting guess. Because I've I personally, we almost got I've told this story in the show before. We almost got in legal trouble because of that. Did I ever tell you that? No. Me and Emily were salmon fishing on a charter boat. And we were catching giant king salmon. I mean, Emily's, I think, was 62 pounds or something like that. Wow. Monster, monster fish. Uh, And it threw up, I think it threw up a pink salmon in the live well that was undersized. Ooh. Interesting. Which was illegal. Because if we caught that and threw that in in the live well, that would be very illegal. But this monster fish had thrown it up. And we did. We end up throwing it in the lake because it was. You could see on one spot where it had been starting to be digested. But just if a game warden were to like throw open that cooler and you look in, you're like, okay, you got five giant king salmon, a bunch of big lake trout, and this little tiny pink salmon. Right. Mm-hmm. And but no, that ain't mine. <laughs> I, I mean, he threw that up, officer. Yeah, <laughs> he threw that up. Uh, but no, he really did. Uh, but our our game warden was, or not our game warden, our charter camp was very nice, and mm-hmm. he took. He actually took. I think he took a video to prove. That you could see that it was like eroded on one spot from it starting to be digested. There you go. There you go. Uh, but when we cut open those fish, they were full of other fish. I would imagine so. So I can see a really drugged giant cryptid accidentally throwing up a tassel worm. They were tasty mm. too. They were really good. But that's my on air guess. Don't tell me if I'm right or wrong until after. Uh, what else was I going to ask? So I don't want to give too much away, but I love the book though. Everybody at home, seriously. Highly enjoyed it. The audiobook is on Kubo. Is that the name of the site again? It's on Kobo, K-O-B-O. It's on um, Amazon. It's on iTunes. And it's on um, uh, Spotify is the big one. If, if y'all have Spotify Premium, I would love for you to listen there because they're brand new to the audiobook game. And everybody, once you listen, five-star review, some nice comments. 
I think I'm the first official five-star review on Kubo or Kudo. You are the first on Kobo. Yes, you are. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm going to be... Uh, I think my title got cut off because I didn't realize it I only had so many... Characters. Characters. I just mm. kept typing like it was still going. <laughs> so if anybody reads that goofy review, because it's five stars and the, the comments are nice underneath, but the title just goes into nothing. Mm. And I didn't realize it until I, after. I appreciate it so much, Justin. I did enjoy it, though. I really did. It's not blowing smoke or nothing. It's just, uh, it's, you know, one sea monster guy to another. Uh, yeah. It's very fascinating. The Bosco scene uh, mm-hmm. is horrible, though. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you should be in prison. <laughs> uh, that's a terrorist act to what you did. Okay. Just so you know, just so we're, right. you know, we're friends. We're on the same page. Just a friend talking mm-hmm. to a friend. Of course. Uh, <laughs> any other cryptid, come on. I mean, that's like somebody clubbing in stellar sea cow to death. <laughs> There's not. Well, you know. It Book is. Two. <laughs> it is, uh, it is a pivotal moment. Yeah, no, it was. And I get that. It's, I think picking such a peaceful and then Bosco's or Chara Bosco, the beast of Chara Bosco's back, you know, real life story pairs with that so evenly that it's just, it's just an animal. You know, I think you did a great job in that, in the the book too, that they're, even though they're fantastical animals, they're still just animals. Mm-hmm. They're not, yeah. even though they're huge yeah, and a- scary, they're not monsters. They're just trying to live and pretty much everyone that, you know, got violent, got violent because it was messed with first. Exactly. And that's very much, you know, these, these true, you know, and I believe all these exist. Uh, One connection I did want to make, where did you get Gambo breathing fire from? So Gambo breathing fire, uh, that was kind of just an aspect of my imagination, but I wanted to imagine, I wanted to figure out how I could make it biologically feasible. And so my headcanon for it, and I think I've told you Mm -hmm. uh, before, was, uh, okay, so uh, underwater magnesium can burn and create its own oxygen. And so I wanted to create a biological magnesium-based sort of fire-breathing creature. And uh, that that was the direction I took with Gambo. Like I said, because there was so much available creative license to it, because it's such an unknown, such an obscure one. Um, and I thought it could, and I thought it would just be an interesting exercise and, and a cool thing to take something so obscure and bring it to the forefront and, and try to make it iconic. That's the centerpiece of the cover of the book, mm-hmm. uh, if you, on the paperback book. And so, um, so yeah, so that, that was sort of the direction, uh, that I took with that. So as much as, as much as I'm, you know, I do a lot, quite a lot of research into, um, each of these things, I'm putting my own spin on them. Oh yeah, and I mean, creative license and all that. Them, convey them in a in a unique unique way. Uh, so it just was interesting because older versions of the Bible, when they talk about Leviathan, mm. you know, Leviathan had that. Oh yeah, uh, bubbling fire in the throat and stuff like that. To when it would open its mouth and the waters would boil, and it made mm-hmm. me. It just brought a bunch of old, like biblical images of that sea monster, which sea monsters are. Very yeah. old-timey biblical things. You know, we've had them on our maps forever. It's, whether they're real or not, they signify the true power of nature and the ocean. There's these exactly. walls of flesh. I did like, we'll talk about it off-air because I don't want to give away any more of the book. I did like your depiction of Bessie. Mm, thank you. Very unique. Uh, very cool. Uh, we did South Bay Bessie a long time ago on the show. And there's still sightings every once in a while. And the sightings have been very unique. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. when you're research, you came across the Lake Erie Chomper, though. 
Lake Erie Chomper. I'm not familiar with the name. Maybe I did, but I don't remember the name. I'm sure you did it during the research, but, you know, we look into so much of this stuff all the time. It's, right. Uh, the Lake Erie Chomper was seen during the big South Bay Bessie flap, mm-hmm. but on the Lake Erie side, or the Canadian side, right across mm-hmm. the right across the lake. Uh, bit a kid really bad. Highly yeah. documented. Uh, we talked about that for the South Bay Bessie, too. Really, really bad bite. Um, it most likely was a really, really oversized muskie mm-hmm. with the teeth pattern on the kid. Uh, he The kid lived, but it was almost fatal because of where it bit him, right wow. through the stomach. And for mm-hmm. people that think, you know, freshwater fish don't have the artillery like saltwater fish, they do. Uh, a muskie, muskie get huge. And, you know, it was a dad and a kid swimming, and literally he just sees his kid get yoinked. Mm-hmm. And just pulls him out in this just big bloody bite mark across his midsection from wow. what a, what was most likely a, a humongous muskie. But yeah, that was happening during kind of the same time. So some people lump it in, and some people don't, because it really didn't fit a lot of the descriptions of South Bay Bessie on the eerie side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was also when the river was catching on fire here. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Anything's possible. Where's the button? Where's the button? <laughs> who knows? Anything could be possible. Holy moly. There we go. There goes Jay walking in the background again. Man, he's fast. <laughs> I keep trying to catch him. Oh, there he is. There he is. I see him right back there. <laughs> Bald and everything. Pointing at Danny. Do you have any questions for Michael? Did you enjoy the book? You can talk. People, it's an audio, <laughs> it's an audio base. Yeah. People don't know you're shaking your head. Hear the air. No. <laughs> These are expensive bikes. They better not hear the air. <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, you've not read Michael's book. I have not. Yeah. So that was the joke. We'll, we'll get you one. We'll get you one. Don't worry. And you read a lot, though. You read a lot more than I do. Yeah. At least a lot of different stuff. I read a lot of like the monster books and stuff like that. Well, you know, for research. But uh, anything that we left out that you want to add to people? Because I'm trying not to do everything in the book, obviously, because that's, it's you know, people need to buy the book. Oh, sure. Well, I'll just, um, how about I ask you, like, what was, uh, what questions do you have now that you've read the first book going into the second book? I definitely, yeah. Um, can I talk about The Hunters? Is sure. That, okay. I just don't want to, you know, there's just the whole side plot of where, uh, he came from, you know, what his job was originally, dealing with these creatures and these hunters that still exist for these monsters. Way before we met you, a long time ago, we did an episode called the Cryptid Containment Program. Ooh. Uh, it's on Patreon, one of our older Patreon episodes, where I had this thought uh, that there's this group of people out there like you have in your book. And it's not, it's, I'm not the first one, you're not the first, you know, this has been thought for a long period of time that there's some organization out there rounding these things up for whatever sure. reason, you know? So, and I get like the, the cracking at the end, you know, it's, I get why that would be scary to some people, but the big turtles and, you know, why would they be out there hunting? The, like, what's it, what does a, a six foot tall turtle matter besides being a six foot tall turtle? Mm-hmm. You know, what's, it doesn't, it's just a turtle. It's just, you know, it's not breathing fire. It's not killing people. It's just a turtle. But I guess that was, are really interesting, and I'm very excited to see how that progresses 
moving mm-hmm. into the second book. And there's little, you know, hints that they are, you know, they're very cryptid, maybe even paranormal related, you know, the joke about aliens and stuff like that. Uh, and then these weird pieces of technology they have, which is, I mm-hmm. really find fascinating. Um, so I guess I don't have, I don't have questions that I don't think will be answered mm-hmm. in the second book, if that makes sense. Or moving in through the story, whether it's second, third, oh, yeah. fourth book, whatever, you know, because I'm very excited yeah, for how you painted the storyline. Oh yeah, you you are, um, your instincts are correct. We do get deeper with the agency and, um, and there is a uniting force across all these seemingly disconnected uh styles of creature uh that that makes them uh that makes them group together and makes that certain those certain pieces of technology work or sometimes work as as we see in the book so uh th- there's there's a uniting uh factors like even though this is a turtle this is a you know crack and it's like it's like what what unites them and uh we go deeper into that in the in the second book and beyond for sure very interesting. And it's like, uh, I'm trying to think there's some programs, uh, well, like the modern day monster first to where they show that these Titans, there's Titans of all, of all species of all family groups. And it's something that kind of makes them a Titan, you know, from one, one little click. And, but so they're all connected, you know, with all that. And I kind of, I do kind of get that feel. So I'm super excited to see what that actual, underlying connection with a giant turtle and a fire-breathing crocodile and <laughs> uh, an octopus the size of the state of Wyoming. <laughs> you know, so it's that's exciting. And then a big sturgeon. Just a big yep, sturgeon, yep. right? It's just a big sturgeon. <laughs> it kept sure, coming, that's all it was. <laughs> coming, coming. No, so I'm trying to think of what other questions. I don't... See, I'm very confident that all the questions I have are just related to how the story's progressing, and I think they'll all be answered. Mm-hmm, uh, there's mm-hmm. nothing from you as an author standpoint that I think won't be answered, if that makes any sense. Of course. And it's I don't like want to... cliffhanger-like questions. Yeah, but purposeful. Yeah. You know, like we watch TV shows, and we read books and stuff, and sometimes there's just these little threads that don't go anywhere. And that's... I'm trying to think of a recent... Well, The Outer Range has a couple of those that ups, not upset me. I'm like, then why did we even talk about this? If we're not moving forward with this as a story aspect, why did we even bring this up and spend, you know, 20 minutes on it in one episode when it's like, I don't know. For sure. Everything in my, whenever I write, um, I'm very conscious of the time I'm taking up. You know, every everything is is extremely purposeful, mm-hmm. you know, uh, down to the the choice of words. So, um, And I, I, I think you do an amazing job and there's a reason yeah. you're having so much success with this stuff. Uh, it's because it's good. Thank you, thank you. I mean, it's just, it's good. Uh, it started all with you drawing a chicken boy. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, like, I have questions about the machinery. I have questions about, you know, how Hammy is going to come back and how the, it's, I don't even remember <laughs> her real name. I'm going to be honest with you. It's Becky Hammy. Hammerin, yeah. No, it's yeah. Hammy. Wimble calls her Hammy at the end. Because, no, we call her Hammy, you know. <laughs> well, because they got an argument about names. It's like, mm-hmm. Hammy. Yeah. Oh, nope, nope. Hammer is fine. Because it's just that guy. I don't know. It's He's just funny guy, to be. Yeah. Do you have any questions for Michael as an author? No. You sure? Mm-hmm. You were very talkative this episode. <laughs> you just wanted to sit in on one, didn't you? It's been a while. It has been. Since the last time they made me band your episode publicly. Because mm-hmm. people just can't stand you for some reason. <laughs> Must be the way I describe stuff. 
Oh my gosh. Cryptid Bingo was really fun the other night. Um, but Michael, please promote yourself all over again. Is there anything else you'd sure. like to add before we get to that, though? Uh, well, the second book is out as well. And uh, we get into some cool Celtic stuff, some uh, really neat cryptids, which I think could make a, a whole uh, neat episode if you're interested. We have some called the Afonk. Uh, we have one called the Dobarku. And, of course, the Loch Ness Monster. I don't know if you've heard of that one. No, I've never, <laughs> no way I've done 10 hours of it on this show. <laughs> and the first three hours are but, just describing how the lake is formed. Mm -hmm. No but way. But, yeah, check it out. Um, that's... This, the audiobook is a really great way to catch up. We don't have an audiobook for the second book yet. My producer's between studios. But um, I was going to ask, is that, is that planned, though? Is that in the pipeline? It is, it is, in the, it is uh, planned. I, I was speaking with him today about it, and uh, we're going to see what we can do. But he is between studios, so it's a bit of a question mark as of now. But they're available. All of them are available in uh, ebook and paperback. The first one's available in audiobook format, which I narrated myself on Spotify, Kobo, Amazon, Audible, all those platforms. Uh, pick your favorite and uh, please leave reviews. I'm definitely uh, looking please, for guys, more reviews. Please, guys, leave reviews. Mm -hmm. I think you should have, though, just a suggestion. You should have Jay read the next one for you. For the audio. I would love to have Jay read it. Yeah, no, you do. We can get we can get Jay a code of uh, for this one as well if he's interested. No, I mean like read for it for the recording. Oh, for the recording? Oh, yeah, that would be great. How he'll just do it. He'll sit right there and do it for you. <laughs> Sure, that would, that would be a good, uh, good little ad, <laughs> good little uh, promotional vignette. You don't want me to read it for sure. I can't. I can hardly read, let alone <laughs> read and speak. No, and, uh, uh, yeah. and I'll have all the links below, everybody. But please, those five star reviews matter a lot. It takes ten seconds. It really does change. You know how the algorithm pushes things, how you know selling and all that happens, and it really That's exactly so what we're looking for. Everything's on michaelthompsonbooks.com. You can click the book section and. See all the different series going on. I'll Hopefully tell you what. You find your next favorite adventure. If anybody shows up at a conference this year wearing a uh, I Saw the Piranha Lope t-shirt, I'll give you a Crypt of the Corn t-shirt. Ooh. Oh, my. That's very generous. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. But, oh, Michael, my, never mind. That was not a fun game for Michael to play. I was going to say, if that? he has anybody come up in our t-shirts, he has to do the same thing, but that's not fair. There's a lot. Oh, of I don't have t-shirts. I'll give you something for free for sure. How okay. Because I'm like, there's a lot of our. I've I've mailed a lot of t-shirts. I got some. I got some fun free stuff. I don't have the t-shirts on me. I got a distributor doing that, but I got some free stuff. I'll give you something free for sure. Awesome. If, uh, if Justin sent you, absolutely. If you're a friend of Justin, you're gonna get something at my table. There you go. And it's uh, it's amazing. Thank you, Michael, for coming on. Sorry it took so long. Uh, we were just in that weird spot. Your new book came out, and it just was like, we got in this weird spot of just being hyper busy and you kept texting and I just felt bad because it's just like and I just had Emily just put there's a date that this releases way we had the date scheduled when it releases way before it was recorded so I'm like that'll <laughs> force me to get yeah, it done that was, that was an amazing feature it's coming out this day but we're recording I don't know when we're recording it's, it's, coming out this it's just gonna be funny. at least two hours before this <laughs> no you guys were very prompt and, and uh, you guys are fantastic Loving the show, loving seeing you guys grow and, and people wearing your shirts in the wild and, and people uh, and, and coming upon uh, fans of yours at my book signings in Barnes and Nobles. Really cool. Really a cool feeling. Remember, Jeff? It was Jeff, right? It was Jeff, yeah. Yeah, remember, Jeff. You're out there. Send me a picture, any of our socials or email or whatever uh, of you with Michael's book, and I will send you a free T-shirt. 
All we right, go. Michael, you know how we like to end this. We're going to count down from three. We'll all scream bye, and then the outro will play. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, I got to move. Oh, gosh, so much noise. <laughs> three, two, one. Bye. 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 Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to Crib is the Corn Podcast. Remember, the best way to support the show is share it with a friend. But if you are craving more of the Jade clones and more from Mr. E, there's always extra content on Patreon and our paid member space on cryptidsofthecorn.com. We'll catch you next time with more exciting, fun, and informative information. Bye! Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.